Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, where I'm pleased to be joined by author Amy S. Peel, who is one of our fabulous clients. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Now, you're the author of the award-winning best-selling books, Cut and Match, which are medical mysteries with a mission and a side of humor. Could you tell us a little bit more about them, please? Well, Victoria, I had a uh, 35-year career in organ transplantation here in the United States and uh, finished my career as director of transplant at University of California, San Francisco, which is one of the largest transplant programs in the country. Uh, We do about 600 solid organ transplants a year. So it was very exciting and I enjoyed it immensely. And what happened is I started writing way before this career and then ended my career retired. But I decided that I would kill the people I didn't like at work because I had to be very professional. (laughs) (laughs) So, So that fueled some of my characters and what feedback I've gotten, like you said, is people like a mystery. I know transplants, so I've gotten feedback from people about they feel like they really got to look behind the curtain. And that was kind of exciting because it is, I do depict real scenes from my career, but I also fictionalized characters. So the ones I didn't like, I just changed their name, their hair color and, you know, made them shorter, taller. Anyway, I, I took some of my creative uh, license and it's been a fun, fun time, and I'm writing the third book now, so it's, 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 it's been a lovely journey. It sounds like it's very therapeutic. And when I was working full-time, a tip for your listeners, if they're authors, is because of my job, as many can be, a Park Your Life at the Door job, I used my password on my computer was my character's name. So even if I couldn't write at home because I was so tired, anytime I entered my password, I was thinking about one of my characters was kind of like a, they were there, but I still needed to tend to what I needed to do every day. So little tricks and tricks and tips to keep the author writer connected to their story, even if their real world life is just over consuming. So just a, an idea. Oh, I love that. <laughs> now you also marry humor with your writing and you studied improvisation at Second City in Chicago, I believe. So did humor help you cope with such an intense career? Uh, actually 150% Victoria it it's it was a life and death situation I talked to donor families and secured their permission when they gave it to donate their loved ones organs and then we would recover them and then I would get to call up the family and say we have a kidney for your you know son or I'd write a letter to the family letting them know the liver the kidney went to a 25 year old woman with two kids so it's definitely very uh, sacred space excitingly rewarding at the same time. But I realized the day-to-day stuff was so heavy that I sent myself to uh, Second City Players Workshop, studied improvisation, just to exercise my imagination and also just be playful so that I had a little better work-life balance because I think that's really key, no matter what your career is, to find something outside the box. And so for me, I love humor. I love to laugh. I think most people do. 
and just be in a place that nobody knew what I did for a living. We just got to play together and use our imagination. Apparently comes through in a lot of different uh, characters. And when I'm doing a lot of the public speaking I'm doing now, people seem to laugh a lot. I don't necessarily try to show up and be funny. Just try <laughs> to be my authentic self. But yeah, I guess I make people laugh. So what the heck, right? Absolutely. Was it something you were always interested in? Well, I, I was a, from a family. My, we are six kids raised by a single mom. My dad left when we were uh, little. We were Irish, Catholic, German. You know, sense of humor is really kind of part and parcel. It, it becomes a refined skill because I was the fifth of six kids. So I watched a lot and I figured out who would laugh at what. You know, sometimes it let, let the tension out. So I, I didn't necessarily think I was funny, but I knew how to be playful. And I think that's a real important piece to surviving, especially when you have five siblings and, you know, we're not shrinking violets. um, So over the years, and I just seem to love comedy. I love to watch it. I love to listen to it. Of course, I love to laugh. Yeah, it's such a useful skill. I imagine in, like you said, in everything you did that in speaking as well as the writing. Right. And, And what I find, even with the transplant surgeons I worked with, I'd play with them. (laughs) <laughs> See, this is a serious, you know, not in the operating room or whatever that, but I find it all of us take a deeper breath if someone starts to play with us in a kind, loving way. And so we, you know, don't get too serious about yourself. These were brilliant, you know, MD, PhDs, amazing surgeons. And I love to play with them too. And they liked that. It just, it brought levity into the situations that we were all in. So I, I, my guess is everybody wants to have a little playmate, even if we're all getting older, you know? Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so how long was the course that you did? It was a year long course and we went every night. Um, and you know, the exercises they give you were silly, uh, be a tree, uh, what would the tree <laughs> say to whatever you get you like out of your logical thinking mind going, okay. And, and just all these different things, the scenarios and working. And the other piece that I learned is when you're with a partner working, doing improv, it's always yes. And so Victoria, you said, Amy, act like Tinkerbell. I go, yes. And da, 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 da. and Victoria, I mean, you, you never know your partner, you okay. yes. And then, and so that's a good skill too. Sometimes if you're going to do something bold and you're not quite sure what that might be, if you yes and y e s a n d that scary thing, your mind kind of goes, okay, I'll try it. I'm not sure I know how to do it. It's a it's a skill that I use to this day when I'm doing new things and adventures. And I, I think learning that long ago and then remembering it and then refreshing it into my life for my writing, for my speaking, it's been a gift. How easy is it to weave humor into such serious topics when you're writing? Is it something you have to work at or does it come quite naturally? What I do is I create characters and my mind. What I do, I'm a visual learner. So I cast the characters in my books. I have a storyboard in my writing room. So one of my main characters, Jackie Larson, if if it was going to be a movie, it would be Melissa McCarthy. So I think of her while I'm writing Jackie, who is a nurse and is married and has a, a son. And what would like, what would Melissa Car- McCarthy say? Like, what would she do in this character? So the characters I develop, I like to visually 
put them on the board and think, okay, well, what would he say or what would she say? So I kind of, you know, channel that or write it. And, and then they come out saying things that I wouldn't have thought of necessarily, but as a writer, when you really get in the flow, you let your characters take over and listen to their voices. So people have trouble with character development. Sometimes if they look at pictures and find somebody they think like who, what colors their hair, their eyes, what do they look like? What are their hobbies when you write? It helps with, with creating real different characters. So that, that's a fun thing that I learned early on. They're great tips. What's your writing routine like? Pretty much every day. I try to give myself a day off. Uh, although sometimes I'm under a deadline with my publisher now, so I have to be on task. I use I work closely with a developmental editor, which I have found real key because for me, a development editor keeps you on track. Like I may want to go over here and tell you about this wonderful, delicious meal in my book, and she'll she'll come back. She goes, Amy, unless the character's going to be a chef, you're going to have to cut some of the food out because. <laughs> Otherwise, people are going to put your book down and go get some chicken cacciatore or a burrito or whatever. And she's right. So I partner with her. She keeps me kind of on the straight and narrow. She lets me go a little bit into food. What moves the plot forward? That's the job of a developmental editor. And I've, found, I've been lucky to find somebody that I we arm wrestle with occasionally, but we have a good time. Cut and match. Are they part of a trilogy, did you say? It's, 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 it's a series. Uh, Cut is the first book and it's, can you buy your way to the top of a liver transplant list? So serious topics. Match is about uh, a little bit about the opioid crisis as well as kidney transplants and paired exchange. And full disclosure, there's a dead politician. It wasn't my fault. (laughs) Um, And then the next one um, is called hold H O L D. And this is really fun. Um, so it's very different, but fun in transplant. What goal is you hold on to your organ? You don't, you know, hopefully you don't reject it. So I'm using, it was going to be Tolerance, the title of the book, but the, the publisher and the book cover designer wanted short words that would grab, like if you walked into the bookstore, you'd see cut and match and hold. And it's, it's a bold look. If people look mm-hmm. on my website, they'll see that it's a catchy uh, a catchy t- title. So it is. So this is the third book I'm uh, working on in the trilogy. And um, then I'll be writing a romantic comedy. Have you made a start on that? Uh, during the pandemic, I worked on a whole uh, process. What I do is I write a scaffold, like an outline, but not like I'll say chapter one, Sarah's point of view and say what I want to happen in sa- chapter two, Jackie. So that's, that's how I know whose head I'm in. Because if Jackie can't taste food, she can't say, oh, this is delicious if I'm not in her head. Sarah can say, hey, Jackie, how did that taste? And Jackie can dialogue and say, good. So I Mm -hmm. sketch it so that I see whose head I'm in and then they can feel their body. No, I'm warm. I'm tingly. I'm hot. I'm angry, you know, showing the reader. So that's how I did the, all my books and my romantic comedy um, is a silly, fun thing. It's not going to have any, very little medical. I don't think I'm going to put anything medical. I'm going to give myself the gift of just a lighthearted romantic comedy. So what's your favorite part about being a writer? When you sit there and type, when I do and get going, all of a sudden you get in this world that you've created and then you're in it. And then you're with the characters and your hands are going but it kind of feels like you're a scribe because 
you've gotten the flow and you've set the scene and you know where you are and then you have them show up. And if you're in this place, it's kind of magical because my characters, if people, when people read my books, they do things I would never do. And I'm pretty adventurous. But when I say, oh, why would you do that? And I'm thinking, it's not you, Amy. Jackie's going to do this. You just got to let her do it. And you know when or not it's going to work. But that's there's some magic to that part of showing up to the page and going for it, even when you don't feel like it. And just let let it go and then trust trust yourself and trust your characters. And you're pretty good at marketing your books as well. Um, how do you find balancing the writing with the marketing? Well, the marketing is hard, but the good news is that I love to do public speaking because in my career, I had to present to large audiences. So I'm, I got lots of coaching. So I am grateful for that. Book tours and libraries and, you know, conferences, you know, you have to, it's very deliberate, uh, even with whoever you sign with agent wise, publisher wise, they don't do a lot of marketing for you as an author. So one of the key questions for new authors that might be shopping is if you're finding a press, find out if they help you with your marketing, with your social media and all that. Cause there are presses that do that. And there are presses that say you're, we'll, we'll represent you and they, they'll give you the book, but you have to go out and beat bushes and show up and, you know, just share your story and uh, be generous. So it is, it, it's work and you have to be, and it's, it's the other side of the brain, you know, the creativity, you can just have a ball. And then with the marketing, you need to get your business hat on. And if you can't get your business hat on, find somebody you trust that can help you. That's so I hire, advice. yeah, I, I hire a publicist uh, with each book um, and do a variety of things. Uh, it, it, you could do a million podcasts on that, Victoria, because it's quite a dense process, but you learn. Absolutely. As you mentioned, you've spoken at some quite prestigious U.S. medical centers. And I understand that as part of your presentations, you often get the audiences practicing chair yoga, because as well as being a writer and a speaker and trained in comedy, you're also a Chopra yoga instructor. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct, my friend. I'm Deepak Chopra. I'm sure you've all heard of them or if you haven't heard of his, mm-hmm. he's, he's quite a wonderful Uh, man and he's got a center before I could uh, I used to do a lot of Iyengar yoga and then you know I had health issues and so I missed it and I went to the Chopra center and I heard you could do chair yoga and I thought okay sign me up and I loved it and then I got trained and now people are asking me to do the keynote speeches with their groups I just did one in the United States where there was about 300 people from 48 states. And the first part of it was teaching them to peel their ears off of their shoulders because we're all in our computers with our hands curled. And I teach them little simple little, you know, hand finger yoga, breathing, and then a little laughter because I'm certified in laughter yoga. So I, I mix a little cocktail, a little breath, a little stretch, a little laugh, and then a little glee. And they've asked me to come in and do like the opening to get people into their bodies and into themselves so that then when the program begins, they can really be more centered. And it's actually, I've been getting more calls to do that, which is like, how fun is that? That's such a great skill to have. And yeah, certainly where we've all been stuck working at home, I think it's something everybody needs to set our computers for such long hours. Oh, yeah, we do. You really need to do a little twist, even while you're listening to this podcast. If you're in the car, park it, mm-hmm. just turn to the left, 
turn to the right, but always be gentle with your body because sometimes when you don't move it, it, it uh, often it needs a little gentleness and some kindness and some simplicity. So it's, I'll be putting up some yoga breath uh, work and laughter on my website, little one minute sound bites. So people say, I just don't have the time. I'm like, how about a minute? How about a minute? You know, those toothbrushes that take two minutes, the quip toothbrushes we use here. Sometimes I'm like, why is this taking so long? I don't have much. And I'm thinking, Amy, it's two minutes. So then I said, "Mm." my brain is like, and you need to do this and you need to do that as opposed to just brush your teeth, practice present moment awareness. It's only two minutes. And by the way, I just got a great dental checkup. So there you go. So it works. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) Do you have any favorite yoga poses? Oh, I do. I, God, you know, yoga has so many poses and I do mat yoga, get on the ground. I do. Um, there's a lot of wonderful YouTube videos, but one of my favorites is Claire Diab, D-I-A-B, and she's a, a big yoga teacher. Sometimes in the morning, I just be real gentle and get on the floor and just do some windshield wipers with your feet on the, you're laying on your back and your feet are down and your knees are bent and you just go back and forth like your car wind. You'd be surprised what that does to your hips and your lower back in a very gentle way. I do. I like to do the finger exercises for people and myself every day and more than once because that's healthy. And I do a headstand most every day, um, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Wow. I could do a headstand. I mean, I could when I was about five, but wow, you must be so strong. Well, I'm 68 and I'm happy to say I'm, I'm getting stronger. You know, it's just, it's, it's a simple thing once you learn the proper way. I wouldn't, no listeners, don't go be out and doing this on your own. <laughs> I'm a yoga teacher. I think, and just simple twists, even if you're sitting at the dinner table with the kids before you eat, you just turn to your left, a little twist in your chair and to your right. It's actually really good for your spine. You're right. As you said, we are all on our computers or on our phones or driving a car And when your body is like that, if you don't give it an alternative, it kind of starts to get stiff. So just a little twister, peeling the shoulders off of your ears. Who knew they were all the way up there? Even setting your timer, like you said, and maybe just a couple deep breaths will will give your body such a gift. Um, And then you can go about whatever it is you were doing. Because at the end of the day, the computer gets closed. You go home with the family and you want to feel some good energy. So this is kind of giving yourself a little sprinkle of loving kindness during, a, you know, what all of us would call probably pretty intense work days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. So in your downtime, do you like to read? I do like to read. Uh, when I was preparing for my rom-com, I got to watch, I gave myself an assignment for six months during the pandemic. And I watched all the romantic comedies I could. That's and a I great t- assignment. I picked them apart. And then I did watch where the beats were, but it's a pretty simple outline. I also love Louise Penny, who's an amazing author. And she is just a delightful woman. I've met her three times. And here's another trick or tip for your authors, which I, I take. She said when she wrote her very first book, she's uh, obviously an international bestselling author. She decided she was a journalist. She was just going to write a book. She picked a place she wanted to be, Three Pines, with people that she wanted to hang out with, so that if nobody ever bought her book, at least she enjoyed writing her book. And, and obviously, as you know, now she just co-wrote a book with Hillary Clinton. She's, yeah, she's, her, her series is going to be made into a series, TV series. Amazing. Um, but she's just a gentle, loving, compassionate soul. 
And I, I admire her as a woman, as a writer, um, as a human being. And so she's one of my faves. And of course, there's Janet Ivanovich, who's just so funny. I love her. I also like uh, historical fiction. Uh, C.W. Gortner, he writes all about the queens, queens of Spain, uh, Coco Chanel. Um, uh, I just finished uh, Sarah Bernhardt. His, his detail, his research, he teaches you, but he doesn't drowns you in it while he he writes his characters it's brilliant so those are some top of mind faves oh excellent so when you were talking about your speaking career um, you mentioned that you'd had some training was that a speech coach well early on as a nurse I would talk to emergency room ICU and OR doctors and nurses to help teach them about transplant so way back then um, I was at University of Chicago we had someone who helped us like they actually believed in what we did. So they would videotape us and then they'd come and give us some, you know, different pointers or do this or do that. So that was when the seed was basically planted. And because we had to do so much of that, because we wanted to increase donation, I did a lot of speaking. And then I also got evaluations from people to ask them what, you know, what did they learn? What could I do better? So I always asked for feedback. And then I have a colleague of one of my best friends Betsy Graziani Fassbender, who wrote from page to stage, because authors can be real introspective. So she is, she teaches an amazing uh, course and her book is amazing. And she coaches since she's my friend, I get the luxury of preparing for each of my book launches and she's got a beautiful template. So the book is page to stage, but the template I prepare before I launch, I use for a year depending on, I can pick from it. I'm, it's organized, it's condensed. I speak no longer than 20 minutes and I have all my talking points, I actually have it right here. I use that as I speak to UCLA or NYU, their academia medical centers. Uh, if I'm doing a bigger group, I refresh and look at, because I've done it so many times with the second book and the first book, uh, each one is different in terms of my speaking points, but it's actually served me well. So if there's authors out there that are getting ready and they're kind of nervous because you know, they might not have that skill. I would strongly just check it out online and, and take a look because it, the thing is you can write a beautiful book, but if you get up in front of a group and you're, you know, nervous and scared and oh, they won't hear your story and you wrote the story and they want to see who you are. So the awesome. more you can relax and deliver and be purposeful and calm, they're, they're just going to want more. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes because that sounds like such a useful resource. Thank you. Yes, yes. So when will your third book come out? Do you have a date for that yet? I do because I have a schedule right in front of me <laughs> or schedule as they say in England, which I like they better. Do. Sound, it's, it sounds more sophisticated than <laughs> the way that we speak. It's October the 4th, 2022 is when it's coming out. I'm very excited about it. So yeah it's exciting okay well be sure to let us know when it's out well, thank yes. you so much for coming on to talk to me today i'll link up to everything in the show notes but can you tell listeners where they can go to connect with you to find out more about you and your books um amy peel amy s peel a-m-y-s-p-e-e-l-e-p-s-and-peter.com and you can get information about organ donation my books and my speaking engagements and uh, have a little fun and a little chuckle when you re start reading some of my copy there. It's just, it's me. As my daughter, who's 33, says, Mom, just do you. And you know what? I'm just doing me. Thank, Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. This has been an honor. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.